Welcome to a Bible study with Archie Gilmer. I am Archie Gilmer, the preaching minister at Oak Grove Christian Church in Arden, North Carolina. This podcast is intended to provide sound biblical teaching for your spiritual growth. Now let's get into the Bible study. I think this is part three of chapter six tonight in the Gospel of Mark. Let's have some prayer together and then we'll study the rest of chapter six. So let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. I thank you for the time that we share together and uh, thank you for the ones that are able to come in here tonight with us and study together and those who may be online or listening to us uh, at a different time. And we just ask you to bless all of us, open up our hearts and minds to the truth, help us to learn more about you and learn about even ourselves and who we are in Christ and help us, Lord, to make disciples with this information. We just uh, we give it all to you, Lord, and we, we ask you to uh, do what you do in our hearts, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, in verse 45, we pick it up. After this had happened, uh, it says immediately, verse 45 of chapter 6, says immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of them to uh, Bethesda, excuse me, Bethsaida, while he, while he dismissed the crowd. All right, so he looks around and sees the crowd is getting excited. If you read John's account of what's about to happen, John describes that the crowd was getting so excited about what had just happened about this miraculous feeding, this free food that came from seemingly nowhere that this man Jesus made happen, that they were going to try, they were getting excited and trying, they were going to try to make him be their king by force. They were just going to say, hey, this guy is something important here. We want, we want this guy to be the king, our king. So Mark doesn't point that out. It's apparently not important to what Mark's trying to point out according to what the story is. But he says he immediately made uh, the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him. It could be that he did that because he didn't want his fellas to get caught up in the hype of trying to make him king, right? He's trying to train them for something greater. He's trying to train them for the work of the kingdom. And he's trying to get them to understand that the kingdom of God is greater than the kingdoms of the world. And, and that we're not about the kingdoms of the world. We're about the kingdom of God. So... Let me just release them from his, he's going to release them from his presence. He's going to make them go somewhere else while he deals with the crowd. So he dispersed the crowd uh, by himself. And then uh, after he left the crowd, he went up on the mountainside and he prayed. So he's away from the disciples. He's away from the crowd. He sent the crowd home. And, and it, notice that what we just reviewed about the feeding of the 5,000 plus people, the, the disciples in the beginning were saying, let's send these people home so they can eat. Well, Jesus feeds them and then sends them home. He was like, okay, y'all got to go now. Don't be, don't be hanging out here. You go, go ahead and leave. Just, just notice that there was an intentional act of, of uh, 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 there was an intentional Miracle done by Jesus 
for the sake of revealing himself, not only to the crowd, but more so for the disciples to see something about himself and about themselves and who they are and who they're going to be and what the kingdom of God is all about. So then he goes off in verse 46 and he goes up on the mountainside to talk to God, talk to the father. He goes up to pray. I would think by now in, in here at the end of, of chapter six, Jesus in his humanity, his human, he's a human being, but he's God. And all these things are happening. The, the, the teaching in the synagogues, the, the defending of himself and the truth against the religious leaders, the healing of, uh, not only the woman with the sickness, but also raising the little girl from the dead. And then there's the casting out of the demons. Oh, and then there was the chapter four version of when they were in the storm, the disciples in a boat and they were about to die and they accused Jesus of not caring about them. And he's like, how come y'all don't believe? How come y'all don't, I mean, what's going on with the faith here? And it's just one thing after another. And he keeps, not only that, he goes to his hometown and they all laugh at him and reject him for who he is. So he, he leaves and he goes somewhere else. And now these people are hungry, so he feeds them. And, of course, John the Baptist gets killed. I mean, a lot is going on, right, in the first six chapters of Mark. So I, I can see that Jesus in his physical fatigue would have to get by himself and get with God. Right. And, and sometimes we want to sit back and think that, well, he, he's Jesus. Why would he need rest or why would he need why would he need some kind of assistance front with fatigue or some kind of uh, help from God to deal with stress or whatever? It's because he's in the flesh. And the reason I can know this is because when Jesus was baptized by John, and it says after he was baptized, he was taken into the wilderness to be tempted. And after that whole ordeal happened, it says that the angels came and tended to him. Which means he was physically exhausted. Possibly even mentally and spiritually, maybe. Because it took the angels of God, the holiness of God, to come and restore that in him. Which, which helps, me, uh, uh, helps me as a Christian, it helps me know that the one who died for me, my Savior, really does understand what I go through, what I deal with. The weaknesses that seem to overtake me sometimes. And he, he really does understand the, what comes with living in the flesh or being a human being. And he really does know what those things are like. But he's also, I'm seeing in him, if I'm going to be like him, I have to know that maybe I need to go regularly to the mountainside and talk to the Father. Maybe I need to take every opportunity to do that, whatever that looks like, right? So then in verse 47, while he's talking to the father, while he's on the mountainside and he's being alone, not being around the crowd of people or the disciples, it says when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. All of verse 47 is just making it clear that he was not with the disciples. 
He was not with them and they were not with him. They were in two separate places. However, in verse 48 says, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Right? And at about the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. Here we go. And it's like if you sometimes you read the scripture and you're looking at the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus and you're just kind of watch, listening, reading through and, and maybe watching the, the the account of of Jesus ministry unfold in your mind and you're just like okay well he's finally going to rest and he's going to finally get with God and he's finally going to get restored and he looks up and sees that the disciples are trying to row across the lake and they're not getting anywhere because the wind is blowing against them right it's like they row and the wind blows them back twice as far as they went forward kind of thing and they, and they, and of course they just keep, I mean, they, they've been out there before. We, we've learned that in chapter four when they were in the storm about to die because the storm was greater and they thought they were, their ship was going to sink and they got mad at Jesus for not helping them bail out. Well, here they are. They're just rowing. It doesn't say that they're afraid of the storm. It's just windy. So Jesus goes out there. He doesn't go get a boat and row out there. He just walks out there. It says, look what it says next. He saw them, he saw them straining because the wind was against them. They're, they're trying to row against the wind. And it says about the fourth watch of the night, that's somewhere between 3 a.m. Uh, to midnight or 3 to 9, I can't remember. It's after 3 a.m. And he says, uh, <laughs> he, he, it says here, He's walking on the lake, and it says he was about to pass by them. You ever notice that? All the times you've studied about Jesus walking on the water, have you ever noticed that Mark's gospel says he was about to walk past them? It says he, he, he was about to pass by them, but... When they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they, they all saw him and were terrified. So there's a lot to, there's a lot to think about here because it, it, it kind of, it kind, you kind of start to get the impression that, okay, Jesus, he's up on the mountain all by himself in prayer, talking to the Father, no doubt talking to the Father about his mission, about the disciples, about uh, himself about the kingdom about your will be done right those are that's the kind of the prayer that jesus says right he goes and talks to the father about the mission the plan the the, the kingdom talks about talks to the father about the father's will i think that would be some good note taking for us to take if we were going to think about our own prayer life right and sit back and ask ourselves okay how often do we get up on the mountainside and pray and how often are we talking to god about those kinds of things and then he's up there and he sees he looks out and he's and and of course this is uh passover time so some people might say well it's three in the morning how's he looking across the lake and seeing anything because at three o'clock in the morning it's pretty dark outside until obviously daybreak well this is passover time which is uh, near about Easter time for us and it's full moon time so it's possible that the moon would 
shed some light on a situation. You, you've been outside in the darkness when there's a full moon. It seems like the moon lights everything up a little bit. So it's kind of it's kind of one of them situations where he's able to see what's going on, and he goes to them. And you're thinking in your mind as you're reading this scripture, and it, as it's playing out in your mind, he's like, "Oh, he's going to go help him. <laughs> he's going to go." He's going to go out there because he sees them struggling. So he's going to go out there and he's going to, once again, he's going to tell this, the winds to calm down. That's, that's kind of what the mind want, would, would go to because of chapter 4. When they were in the bad storm, he just told the storm to calm down and it did. And of course, since we live on this side of the cross and we've got the entirety of the scripture and we're able to see Jesus for who he is, we can say that too. We can say, well... Surely he's just going to tell the storm to calm down. But the, the disciples didn't see it that way. In fact, they didn't even know it was Jesus. Here's a, something I've learned recently. That any fisherman or sea, sea uh, sailor in, those, in that culture, believe, they may still believe it today, that uh, if, if your ship was going to sink for whatever reason, and you were going to look like you were going to perish, right? Because you're sick, your, your ship is sinking. It's, it was believed that you would see a ghost just before you die. And that was your sign that you're not going to make it. All right, That's, that was the culture. That's what they believed. And when these fishermen see this ghost walking on the water... That would be that would make sense to me as to why in verse 50 it says they were terrified. They cried out to him because they're terrified. Now, if if this is the way it was, it it would make sense to me that if if like, like think put yourself in their shoes. If you if you were certain of some kind of a sign that you were about to die, wouldn't you cry out in terror about it? I think we would. I think we naturally would. I don't know what we would cry out, but it says they it says they saw him and they were terrified. And it says they cried out. And immediately, the rest of verse 50 says, he spoke to them and said, here's what he said, he spoke to them, says, take, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. The original writings use the word, uh, use a word that means in, uh, that, that means or is translated I am whenever the other parts of scripture you, says that the, use the words I am referring to God saying I am that's the same word that's used here so it is I or I am is the same thing here it's important to know that because he's saying don't be afraid it is I or don't be afraid I am Take courage, take courage. In other words, settle down, right? That's Jesus. When Jesus says, don't be afraid, that's his way of saying, calm down, settle down. And he's really talking to your emotions and then talking to your mind. Yeah? Because sometimes emotions will get us in a place where God doesn't want us to be. Yeah, God, God created us with emotions so they're real and they're important they're even necessary they're part of who we are 
but they are never they were never intended to dominate our lives or make us who we are they were never intended to run or be the driving factor in what we do say or believe right so he says look be take courage and 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 instantly when jesus says this to the disciples and the wind is blowing and they're trying to row and they see this what looks to be a ghost and now they're suddenly terrified and he says this take courage it is i don't be afraid they should instantly reflect back to the time in chapter four where the storm was happening and they were crying out to jesus you need to wake up don't you care about us we're about to die and he says ye of little faith remember that in chapter four and he just tells the storm to calm then then they were really afraid because they were like oh who is this who is this that's in this boat with us kind of thing it's one thing to be afraid of of something in the world or something that's going on in your life but then to have something greater than that show up and then you're more more fearful of that or more intimidated by that and and i have to imagine if i'm putting myself in the shoes of these disciples and here this ghost comes and says no it's me it's i'm it's jesus don't don't be afraid it's kind of a mixed it would be a mixed thing wouldn't it because one whatever terror that was in my heart because i saw this ghost would instantly be be changed hopefully into comfort because here's jesus right and hopefully i would remember the last time we were in this storm and he calmed the storm and that would give me some wisdom and some some comfort for the situation and verse 51 says then he climbed into the boat with him and the wind died down and and it says they were completely amazed don't forget that it says in verse 48 that he was about to pass by them he was about to just walk right on by them even though they were struggling in the wind they weren't about to die it doesn't say there was a big storm and the boat the boat was about to sink it just says they were having a hard time rowing across this lake it was taking them a long time to row against the wind and they had to physically work at it and it became stressful it became difficult it became fatiguing on them mentally physically and maybe even spiritually and he was just going to walk right on by him what what kind of what kind of what kind of savior is that sees me struggling and and plans on walking right on by me seems like a logical question doesn't it <laughs> and it says and and where we were it says it, then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down so they they saw him he said who he identified himself and you have to think there's a reason he got into the boat knowing that jesus never has forced himself on anybody before he's never come in and said okay i'm going to do this for you whether you want it or not it's always been people coming to him and believing that he could do something about their situation. In all these, in all these accounts that we've read in the, in the Gospel of Mark, that's what it is. 
this time he was going to walk by them because they hadn't called out to him. They hadn't been calling for Jesus to come and help him. He was just going to walk right by. But they, they must have invited him into the boat because he got into the boat. Like, oh, oh, it's Jesus. Hey, Jesus, get in the boat. <laughs> we need you in the boat. <laughs> right? It gets interesting here because once Jesus came into the boat, the wind died down. He didn't say anything. He just arrived and existed in the middle of the wind, and the wind submitted to him. The wind just died down. And it says they were completely amazed. So from verse 49 to this verse, verse 51, they went from being terrified to being completely amazed. Now, once again, we, we got, you got to put yourself in the shoes of the disciples and you have to try to put yourself in the shoes of Jesus. Try to, try to get into the moment. And if you're a, a disciple and you see what looks like a ghost, which would, if, if you believe in what the culture believes, you, you think you're about to die, which would cause emotions of terror or fear to come up into your heart. And then it's Jesus and you're, and you're relieved because you know him. The thing about it is, is you know who they, they know who he is, but do they know who he is? You understand? You see, it's like they see him and they tell him to get in the boat with him and he does. And then once again, nature changes because of the presence or the words of Jesus, depending on which situation, chapter 4 or chapter 6 here. It says they were completely amazed. In verse, here's, what it, here's what else, verse 52, complete the sentence. It says, for they had not understood about the loaves. And it says their hearts were hardened. You, it's kind of confusing. Because all they're doing is rowing across the, 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 the water there as they probably have done many, many times over the course of their lives, in the wind, against the wind. It's probably nothing new for them. So why does Jesus do this? Why does this happen? And why does it say that they didn't understand? What does it say? They had not understood about the loaves, and their hearts were hardened. See, this whole encounter, this whole situation is tied to the feeding of the 5,000 tied to these men who were Jesus' disciples by choice. Jesus chose them and they chose Jesus. Nobody's forcing anybody. They had gone out into the world and they were preaching the kingdom of God. They were preaching repentance. They were anointing people with oil and people were getting healed and they were casting out demons in the name of Jesus. They were doing it. It says they were doing it. But then when they get back with Jesus, for some reason, things change. When Jesus says, you, you feed these people, you have the ability to do what, I'm, what, I'm, what I can do. Because I'm giving you that ability. I'm giving you that authority. They just didn't get it. They couldn't, even though they were involved in it and they went out and did it, they couldn't. It's like, it's like they could ride the bicycle, but you couldn't convince them that they could ride the bicycle. You know, it's like a it's like a young 
a, a young child who's got training wheels on their bicycle, but they don't need it. But they won't let you take them off because they're afraid or they don't know that they know how to do this. So they're in the boat and he was just going to walk past them because they didn't need him to get in the boat because they could do everything he was was doing because he gave them that authority. As long as they're in Christ, they can do what Jesus was doing. The disciples, these 12 guys, right? That's who we're talking about. So he's like, look, Y'all don't need to be afraid. It's me. It's just me. So he gets in the boat and they see this happen again. Nature calms down because of Jesus and his authority over nature. Changes their atmosphere and they're amazed. But at the same time, it says they're amazed because they had not understood about the loaves. They didn't, they, if, if they understood what happened with the feeding of the 5,000, then this would not have amazed them. They would have expected this. They would have expected all of this. But they're still amazed. You know, it, 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 I think it's true in the lives of Christians even today, whether they're Christians for a long period of time or new Christians or somewhere in between. Maybe they're faithful Christians or maybe they're mediocre Christians or maybe they're just barely believers for whatever reasons. And sometimes we see God answer prayer or get involved in our life and when it happens, we're totally amazed that he would do such a thing, that he would even answer a prayer. It's almost like we're praying, but we don't expect God to answer or expect God to get involved or even care about getting involved. And, so, and then we don't even invite him into the boat when he does walk by. We, when, when, he, when he's, I mean, he's there the whole time. It shows that the disciples were in, a, in one place and that Jesus was up on the mountain in a whole different place and yet Jesus still knew about their situation. He still saw them and still went to them and drew near to them in their time of need or in their struggle. He went near them and all they have to do is call on him. All they have to do is engage just as the woman who was sick, Jesus didn't invite her he didn't go to her. He walked by her. He was walking by her and she said to herself, if I can just get close enough to touch him, then I can be healed. I believe he can do that. So she, by faith, called on his power and his authority. She, by faith, drew him close to her. And that's why he stopped in the crowd and said, hold up, hold up. We can't go any further. I had to talk to this lady. We had to make sure that she understands what's happening here. But it all happened because she believed and he was nearby. And Jesus is showing them, look, I'm here. In every situation, I'm here. In every problem, I'm here. In every hardship, I'm here. And he's not going to hide himself from any of us. He's just going to say, hey, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am. I like, the, I like the phrase, I am, a lot better than it is I, even though it's, it's not wrong. 
but I am, when God says I am, and that's all he says, he's saying I am bigger, greater than anything in existence and everything put together in existence. Whatever the need is, God is. Whatever the need, whatever the, 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 whatever the challenge is, Jesus is the answer. You see? And so he's saying there's no reason to be afraid. They weren't really afraid. They were just struggling. They didn't get afraid until they saw this ghost out on the water. Because everybody's afraid of death in some way. Have some fear over that. But when he starts saying who he is, now, now they're like fearful. It's just like, okay, Jesus is out walking on the water. What's up with that? How is that happening? The problem, the problem that the disciples are having in this moment, and this is where I was, I really had to chew on this statement where it says their hearts were hardened. Right? Because we see hardened hearts as a negative thing. And, and it, for the most part it is, but it's saying, we, we, we hear that and we automatically associate that with those who are against God. Like Pharaoh, for example, this most obvious example. It says in, 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 that, in that particular situation, it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Which, which really means that God allowed Pharaoh's heart to be hardened because of Pharaoh's desire to be against God. See? So here we have these disciples who Jesus selected and he's grooming them to be his uh, uh, church builders, his apostles. And it says that they did not, they had not, they could not understood and understand about the loaves. They, they just didn't get it. Even he fed thousands of people right in front of them, not just from them witnessing it, they actually took part in it. They were handing out the bread and fish. It's like, if you're a disciple handing out bread and fish to thousands of people and you reach in there and it's like, okay, this is the last loaf. Let me, let me ration it out because it's got to last to these other thousand people. And you look down in there, there's another loaf. Where did that come from? And you just keep pulling out loaf after loaf after loaf after loaf. And it never ends. It's not, like, it's not only that they witnessed that, they participated in that. It's not like they're sitting in the crowd and some magician did something pretty cool and then you're sitting there trying to figure out how did he, how did he do that? How did he cut that person in half? There's got to be some trick to it. No, there, there's no way that they couldn't have understood that something miraculous happened because they were, they were experiencing the multiplication of the bread and the fish. So why is it that they're on this boat and Jesus comes walking out on the water and it surprises them? When I see the words, their hearts were hardened, it, does, it cannot mean that they were against God or that they were working like purposely not wanting to understand Jesus. I think, I think about a sponge. And sponge, a sponge... I'm talking about a sponge that we might use to wash our car with or wash the dishes with. The reason we use those is because they absorb water or any other liquid you soak them with. 
they're absorbent and they they will soak in whatever it is you're trying to clean up or whatever you, you want to get water and soap on your car so you get a bunch of that and then you spread these hearts of these 12 guys are like sponges that have become crusty and hard and would not receive the truth that was literally living in front of them. It's one thing for people today to look at the Word of God and read these accounts of Jesus and his miracles and his preaching about the kingdom of God and uh, the casting out of demons and all the different things that are just hard for people to swallow. But these men were there. They not only saw it, but they experienced it with their own physical hands, eyes, feet, and bodies. They were also sent out into the world to do those very things together, away from Jesus. And yet here they are, still not able to totally absorb who Jesus is and how he affects all of creation. They just were not there. Then it makes me sit back and say to myself, all right, so maybe I wonder if that's the problem that we all have in our journey with Christ. Maybe that's the problem that many folks who are yet to be believers or are rejecting Christ, their hearts are hard and they, they just cannot and will not allow the truth to make that hard heart soft again. Maybe that's the, that's the Christian journey of spiritual growth. Because there's a lot of things that we as believers, genuine believers, who are sold out to Christ and who do believe that the word of God is truth and we've committed ourselves to Christ as Lord and Savior because we believe it to be true, we've accepted this truth, right? The problem is we, we all continue to fall short. And every time we fall short, or to be blunt, whenever we sin against God, even though we are believers, even though we've accepted God as God and Jesus as Lord and Savior, and, the, and that's the Christian, that's what it means to be a Christian, and that's what's true, why do we still sin? Or why do we try to adjust the teaching of God's word to fit who we are or want to be? Why do we keep trying to change Jesus or change the truth to fit what we want so that we don't have to conform to what God wants. Why do we keep doing that? Is it because our hearts are still hardened in some places? Because here's what, here's what I think. These guys, are every time they see Jesus do something miraculous, or every time they see every time they see some side of Jesus that should be obvious to them that he's not just a man he's he has to be something bigger and greater than just a man in this world he has to be the messiah that we're waiting for i mean listen to the way he teaches look at all of creation and how it submits to his authority 
the demons, nature, sickness, the religious leaders. Everybody submits to him. It should be obvious to these guys that Jesus is who he is, that Jesus is I am. I think it is obvious to them. And I think that somewhere in their heart, maybe it's not a mental decision, but maybe it is. Maybe it's a subconscious thing for them. I don't know. Maybe it's true for all of us, but sometimes, you know, when we, when these men or when we see Jesus and the reality of him and this truth about him that's unavoidable, cannot be dismissed, we either have to receive it or reject it. And if we receive it, it means we have to deal with that fact. And these guys, here they are. Now you think about this. If Jesus was in the flesh right now in our presence, do we think that we would be overjoyed and totally at peace with that? Or do we think we would be falling down on our faces in reverence and fear over his authority over everything in the world? I I think it would be the latter. I have to think that because I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. And if we if we were if we were in these the shoes of these disciples and we were looking at a man in the eye, and he's God, he's Jesus, he's he's God in the flesh, do we realize how convicting that would be? <laughs> I mean Truth is staring you in the retina. Truth is looking into the darkest corners of your heart through your eyes. That's what these men are going through. And that's why they look at Jesus and they see all of the things that have happened since chapter one, all of the miracles, all of the uh, demon casting out of, and all of the uh, healings, the resurrections of the dead, the challenging of the religious leaders and uh, the feeding of everything that we've read. And then he comes walking out on the water and everything in them, their eyes say, this is who he is, but everything else in them says I can't accept who he is because it means something about me that I don't want to look at. So their hearts were hardened. If we don't want to see something, we cover our eyes. If we don't want to see the totality of something, then we only get close enough to look at what we, the part we want to look at. Uh, it's like, it's like uh, if you have an apple on your countertop and it looks real nice and shiny. And you're like, man, that apple looks delicious. And somebody in your house says, well, it's rotten. It's got a big rotten spot on it and a big wormhole on it. And you're like, yeah, well, turn it around and we won't have to look at it. As long as you don't see it, it's not there kind of attitude. And we can be fooled, I think, as be- even as believers, we can be fooled into thinking that we're okay and that Jesus loves us, the Bible tells me so. And live in that fuzzy wuzzy land, which I think is, there's a lot of truth in that. But if we never look at 
the totality of Jesus, we are never going to see ourselves in the light that God wants us to see ourselves so that not so that we can be convicted and be uh, 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 aware of our wickedness so that God, we would know that God hates us. No, it's so that God can make us whole again. Because look, let's look, let's read some more and find out, find this out. It says, verse 53, when they had crossed over, they landed at Genesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. Go figure. Par for the course. They ran through that. They, they ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats. And whoever they heard, uh, who, excuse me, they ran throughout the whole uh, region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Verse 56 says, and wherever he went into villages, towns and countrysides, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak and all who touched him were healed. You see, God wants us to see the totality of him, of him, of our savior and of ourselves so that we can believe that that can make us healed. That can make us whole again. Because I, I, I wrote down in this Bible here, it says, what does healed mean in this part of scripture? When it says all who touched him were healed. These people were made whole again. Whatever their problems were, whatever their sicknesses were, whatever their struggles were, God, Jesus made it different for them. They came running to him. Kind of makes kind of makes me feel bad for the disciples at the time, because here these guys are picked out by Jesus to be the disciples, to follow him and to learn from him. Not only that, they were actually given his authority to go do what he was doing. Yet everybody in the world was closer to Jesus than they were. Because they just couldn't they, their heart, they couldn't receive this truth. They actually saw all these things. All these other people just heard about it. They just, they were like, hey, we heard this guy, Jesus, can heal somebody. We heard this guy, Jesus, rose this girl from the dead. We heard this guy, Jesus, does miracles. So let's go, let's go get near him. They didn't question anything. They just believed that that's what's going on. So they went to him. Yet the disciples, they're with him all the time. They're involved in it. They see it going on. Maybe they got used to Jesus doing these things and it, allow, and it didn't allow them to really see him for who he is. So their hearts were hardened. They, they totally missed it when they fed the 5,000. You think Peter walking on the water with Jesus was amazing? I think it is. He's the only one that got to do it. He's the only one that had enough faith to step out of the boat and walk on the water with Jesus. Only one in the world. But man, if these guys would have listened to Jesus when these 5,000 people needed to be fed, they could have they made the miraculous thing happen. They could have done what Jesus did. But their hearts were not soft enough. So the end of chapter 6, all of this Oh, it's this whole Jesus walking on the water because, you know, Jesus didn't need to do that. He just did it to show them some things, to get their attention. 
It's always a learning process. It's always revealing himself. One more chance. I'm going I'm to let you guys see one more thing. I'm going I'm to help you understand a little bit more because eventually you're going to get it. That's the Christian walk. That's, that's growing spiritually. What, we're going to keep looking at the word of God. We're going to keep learning more and more about Jesus because eventually our hearts are going to soften up a little bit more. And we're going to receive a little bit more about Jesus. And I think, it's, I think it's a mistake for Christian people, believers, to think just because we believe that Jesus is the Christ and that God is who he is and the Bible is true and that we're saved, that that's all there is to it. And that we, we don't have anything else to learn. That's a sad mistake for people to live in. There's always something else about Jesus we can find out. Our hearts can always get a little bit softer because these guys were having trouble not seeing the truth, but absorbing it into their hearts. They were having trouble receiving it fully and letting, it, letting the truth have its way in their hearts. The reason we know this is because time after time, they had opportunity to just stay calm and believe that Jesus could deal with whatever the situations were. But no, there was the storm. They couldn't figure that out. Uh, then there was these hungry people. They couldn't figure that out. Now there's this other issue where there's uh, Jesus walking on the water. They couldn't figure that out. Um, that, let's see. They, I don't know how they figured it out when they were sent out two by two. They were just being obedient and they did whatever Jesus said. I have to believe that Jesus miraculously interfered in that because they couldn't figure anything else out. So how did they figure it out then? Unless Jesus interfered in some way. It's like, it's like, the, little, it's like the little child on the, on the bicycle with the training wheels. When you're teaching, sometimes when you're teaching a child to ride a bike, they think you're holding on to the seat and running behind them, but you're really not. They get a half a block down the road before they realize you're not there anymore. And they're like, oh, I'm riding the bike. And once they realize they're riding a the bike, you can't get them to put them training wheels back on. You can't get them to let you get involved. They're gone. They're riding all over town. And that's all Jesus is trying to get these guys to do. If you're my disciples, if you believe who I am, then let's do this. And I think we struggle with that every day as believers. We struggle in our personal lives. We struggle in our congregations, in our churches. We struggle in the world. What's stopping us from going into the world and making disciples? What's stopping us from going into the world and being a witness? Why is it so difficult? Why is it so hard? Why is it so uh, nerve-wracking? Why do we constantly shrink back when it comes to being the witness for Christ? I mean, we all believe. We all know the truth. We believe the truth. We're studying the truth. We're trying to grow in that truth. What's so hard about going into the world and telling people about it? What's so hard about living it? What's so hard about standing firm in the face of persecution or rejection? We know who Jesus is. We say we know who he is, but I wonder, do we really know who he is? I wonder, do we really trust who he is? Why do we have fear? Why can't we just take courage because Jesus is when it comes to the things 
of the kingdom of God, when it comes to living in this world, when it comes to being the church. Because this is what it's about. He's teaching them. He's trying to train them for the bigger picture, for the main thing, the kingdom of God. He's trying to get them ready for what they're about to do, starting in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God comes on them. Because there's no room for this kind of doubt when it comes to the business of the kingdom of God. There's no room for these kinds of hard heart hearts when it comes to disciple making, when it comes to preaching the gospel and living the gospel. Because anybody can go into the world and preach the gospel, but not everybody's going to go into the world and live the gospel. At this point in time, the disciples just weren't there. They, they trusted Jesus, the man, they trusted him enough to leave their lives and go with him. They believed the things that he was saying as far as they could understand them. But in their heart, they could not, at this point, they were not totally surrendered to who he is. Maybe that's just because they uh, were fearful of the unknown, or maybe uh, their hearts were hardened because there's something in their heart in their heart or in their mind or both that says to them if this is the messiah if this is god in the flesh it'd be like uh the the israelites when god spoke to them they ran over to moses and said look don't let that happen again you go talk to god we don't ever want that experience again the presence of god is a very uh intimidating fearful thing and to have Jesus looking them in the eye and for them, if, once you admit who he is, it will change your entire life. And sometimes people want to be Christians. They want, they want their salvation, but they don't want to let go of the things that stand in the way of it. Sometimes that happens. I don't know how many things God has had to rip out of my hands. He, he had to convict me so much that I would eventually let go of because it stands in between me and him. If I'm going to be the Christian, if I say Jesus is Lord, if, if I surrender myself to the kingdom of God, it's his way. And as long as I'm picking and choosing what parts of my life are his way and what parts of my life are some other way, then I have hard places in my heart that need to be softened because I'm not absorbing the truth in those areas. Does it mean I'm not saved? Most likely not. It just means I got some growing to do. It doesn't have anything to do with salvation because salvation says if you believe. Now, the only time a hard heart interferes with your salvation is when you will not accept the truth about Jesus and his messiahship and his sacrifice on the cross. When you can't receive the truth about the gospel. If you reject Jesus as Lord and Savior and you say, I don't need that, or I'm not a sinner, or God doesn't, whatever you say, then that hard heart cannot be saved until we surrender to truth. That's chapter six, y'all. That's, that's the rest of chapter six. And all of it, really all of it, the, from, from Jesus feeding the 5,000 all the way to the end of the chapter here, Jesus walking, it's all one teaching from, for Jesus. It's, it's all one thing that Jesus is trying to reveal to the disciples and to many other people. 
And in the middle of all of it, John the Baptist was killed. You want to talk about some hard hearts. Remember at the beginning of chapter six, he went to his own hometown and his own family. Their hearts were so hard, they, they would not receive him as who he is. They're like, no, nah, no, nah, that's just a carpenter. That's our little brother there, or older brother. Right, that's not, that's not, can't be. He's crazy. Remember they, they thought he was crazy? Thought he was a lunatic? They thought they were, he was going to get himself killed because he's in the synagogues teaching things that everybody thought was blasphemous and would have been blasphemous had he not been who he is. But since he is Jesus, since he is the Messiah, they're not blasphemous. And everybody else who was rejecting him was guilty of the same thing. All of that falls in line. You know, John, John chapter 6 is where you find the same account of this walking on the water. And it's pretty interesting to read uh, the differences in the way that uh, they, they talk about that account. Um, it's not two different accounts. It's the same account told differently for different purposes. It says a strong wind was blowing and the, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three, three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching on the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. Similar. He says, it is I, don't be afraid. And it says they were willing, look, verse 21 says they were, of chapter 6, and John says they were willing to take him into the boat. It, it's, it's salvation. It's the gospel. If you're willing to take Jesus in, things change. The only way to get a hard heart softened is to invite Jesus in. And the only way to continue to grow in Christ as a believer is to invite Jesus in to all the places of your heart, all the crevices and the deep, dark corners that you think no one knows about. All of the truths of God's word need to be allowed to be true in your heart or the heart becomes hard. That's chapter six. Uh, we'll get into chapter 7 uh, the next time. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll be done. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this truth. We thank you for Jesus and his example. We thank you for the disciples and uh, learning from them. We just ask you, Lord, to seek our hearts, find any hard places and help us to soften them. Help us to allow Jesus in to those places so that they might be softened, so that we can completely surrender and completely absorb your truth in our lives so that we might go out into the world and preach the gospel and live the gospel for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of those who are lost. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in with us at A Bible Study with Archie Gilmer. If you have any questions or comments, please email me at agilmer.ogcc18 at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us, and we hope that you join us again at A Bible Study with Archie Gilmer.